Let us read Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 from verse 12 to 17. Revelation chapter 2 from verse 12 to 17. It says, To the angel of the church of Pergamum writes, These are the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You are, did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have few things against you. There are some of you who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immoralities. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Whosoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give some of the hidden manna, hidden manna. You will receive it in Jesus' name. I will also give them a pot. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. My God. There are some blessings that only you know it. Amen. I mean, you receive it in Jesus' mighty name. You know, that, that story is very, very like the way the church is today. It's like the church of today lives in a generation where Satan lives. Isn't it? The level of trials, the level of temptations that you see in this day and age is nothing compared to how it has always been. And the devil is still using the same thing, but more in a more potent way. This morning, I'll talk to us about handling or dealing with sexual pressures. Amen. Uh-huh. You know, when you say topics like this, everyone is trying to be uh, very, very spiritual. <laughs> but this morning... We're talking about dealing with sexual pressures. I didn't say dealing with sexual sin, because by the time it generates to sin, it's already been committed. I'm talking about dealing with sexual pressure. And I pray that God is going to help us this morning in the name of Jesus. See, sexual sin or sexual immorality or whichever sexual activity appears to be the most potent weapon of the enemy today. Right? The enemy is working full-time to ensure that whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, you are fully engaged in all these activities at different levels in different forms. Why is that? Because he knows that with it, a lot of other things can happen. Companies, organizations are using billions, spending billions of dollars, billions of pounds, promoting such things, whether be it on social media. In fact, yesterday, we were trying to watch a movie on Netflix. You know, all week, when we click on this movie, you see sexual, click on this one, even the one that they say is 15, you see, at the time, we have to like, is there no more movie that does not have sexual activities in it? That's how much the devil is promoting it. The books that we read oftentimes contain such things. The newspapers that I met that used to be very conservative, and now becomes normal thing. Our music, 
In fact, our dresses at times, or not even at times, oftentimes are also sexualized. It's no more dresses that looks good. It's now dresses. When you see music now, in fact, it's only a few musicians that are in the world that do not expose to sell music. What I don't understand is how does music that you sing, your mouth singing, right? And I don't know how they correlate. In fact, when you look at cars, selling cars now requires women to expose themselves. You see how the, how the devil is doing everything possible. It's like you see one man opening and just doing everything possible to make us become vulnerable to these activities. Yet, within it, God said he expects us to be victorious. Is that not what that scripture said? He said to the church in Pegamon that I know that where you are dwelling is where Satan lives. They like connection, you're dwelling where Satan lives. If it's a lie, let's just go outside and see the kind of things that you're going to see. They know that demons are walking on the street of London. One day, myself, Kole and Isua, you remember that day? We went to the southeast one evening. I don't want to know even one night. We went to go to a vigil, but from the vigil, we went to go and buy bagels in southeast. We saw demons walking on the road. God's position still is that he expects you and I to remain faithful, to remain victorious. Because scriptures has already said that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Do I get an amen? amen? So it's important that we look at how we're going to deal with these sexual pressures. Why do we need to? Number one, because sexual pressures, if not handled rightly, will always lead to sexual sins. Are you with me? Sexual pressures will always lead to sexual sin. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28 said, when you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery in your heart. So if you do not identify, and if you don't handle these matters very well, guess what? You might be sitting in this place and you're already committing all these things. Do you know the number of Christians who actually watch pornography at the last OMC, they actually brought out a statistics of men of God globally who are involved in it. And somebody might be sitting there this morning and think that, oh, you know what, I don't do that. What about the books that you read? It's gratified pornography. There are some of us find it difficult. You know, when you're watching, when you look for the, um, for the movies you even watch at times, you're thinking about, that's why some of us like power. You know the movie Power? I'm not talking about this for power. I'm talking about the movie Power. Do you hear it? The series Power. Yeah, that episode on Netflix. Do you get it? It's, it's, it? Because it's become part of, it just spices it. It's like salt in the movie. <laughs> Number two reason, apart from the fact that it's sin, sexual sins makes the Holy Spirit depart from the believer. Look at what Jesus Christ said. When you look at the woman lustfully in your heart, the minute you looking at a woman lustfully, and even when you look at a man lustfully, guess what? You are diminishing the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Scripture says that 
um, First Corinthians chapter 16, chapter 6, 15 to 20. I'm going to be opening a lot of scriptures. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, is outside the body. But he that committed fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not of your own. So for every time your body system is defiled, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit moves away. Have you not realized that when you engage in any form of sexual activity, any form, it's difficult. You also, you know that the Holy Spirit is not there. It's just an activity, you know. Except you are no more, as, as Vishans put it, you have lost all sensitivity and you are moving on to sensuality. Using sense to do the things of God rather than being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to deal with sexual pleasure, uh, sexual pressures? Because, see, when the Holy Spirit leaves a believer or when the Holy Spirit departs from the life of a believer, what do you think happens to that believer? You become vulnerable to attacks. So that is why the devil is working full time, especially against Christians, against those in particular who think that they are standing. Those in particular who feels, oh, nothing can happen. Those are the ones actually that the devil is working against full time. Because he knows that all you just have to do is to fill your heart with the thought of that guy. And guess what happens from that point on? You cannot pray. Can somebody relate to that? You thought you were falling in love. You were not falling in love. You were fantasizing. You were engaging in other things. Without realizing it. The believer becomes prone to spiritual attacks and the further manipulations of the devil when the Holy Spirit departs from that temple. Why do we need to deal with it? Engaging in sexual activities outside the confines of marriage creates a deeper desire for more. It is only in marriage that any sexual activity satisfies. Every other sexual activity only creates a deeper hole for you. And in short, it leads to death. Right? It leads to spiritual death. If it's a joke, look at Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. Proverbs 5, verse 5 to 6. When he starts, he talks about the adulterous person. He says, Our feet goes down to death, our steps lead straight to the grave. That is, the, that's, that is it. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how little it is. You start desiring more. You start desiring more. Oh, you, you, you think that you are repenting, you repent, but you go back to it. And when every time you go back to it, it's deeper. Are you with me, church? Another reason why we need to deal with this prayer is that if we allow it to get into sexual activities, then such persons, the Bible says, does not have a place in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 to 10. I didn't write the Bible. I'm bringing the Bible to us this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immorals, the idolaters, the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexualities, 
homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Look at the categories of what God puts it together as. Finally, why do we need to deal with this? Because it voids our sanctification. Anyone involved in sexual activity, you might serve God, but before God is not accepted to God. You might come to church and even be preaching, right? God can use you to preach, but you are not accepted unto God. Your service is not accepted because it voids your sanctification. It's like you are giving God poison to drink. You know what that means? It's like getting a cup of water to drink in a dirty cup. You're offering God a service that is defiled. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And I like the way most of the scriptures put it. Sexual immorality. Anything that is sexually immoral. Amen. So, now we understand that whether we like it or not, it's something that we need to deal with. And unfortunately, it's something that's always there. It doesn't matter whether you want to or you don't want to. It doesn't matter what age you are. Listen, this is not a measure of spirituality at all. Are you with me? Everybody, everybody is exposed to such vulnerability. How you now deal with those vulnerabilities is what determines whether you fall into it or you don't fall into it. Are you with me? Because James chapter 1 started by telling us that, hey, you should count it pure joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations. So all of us, we are facing these diverse trials and temptations. But there's always a way out. It is the way out that we are looking at this morning. Do I get an amen? Do I get an amen? amen? For us to deal with it, or for us to understand how best to deal with it, it's always good for us to see how the developmental stage of it is. Because, listen, nobody falls into sexual sins. Are you with me? It's not possible for you to fall into sexual sin. Because a sexual sin, regardless of what way it is, is not done instantaneously. That is one sin that you don't fall into. <laughs> Every form of sexual activity requires thorough planning and a period, gesticulation period. Are, are you with me? For James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Let's stop there first. In every man, this, you need to understand this. In every man, the day man fell, there's an evil seed that lies in you and I. Right? That evil seed that just loves wickedness. That evil seed that God sees and says, man's righteousness like filthy rags before him. That seed is always there, dormant when you get born again. 
is no more effective because Jesus helps us and he helps us. He expects us to mortify all those evil seeds, to kill them, to make sure that we get rid of them, to pull them down. It is always there. So what James is now saying is that when we get tempted, Richard, what happens is this. That evil seed, desire comes upon that evil seed. The desire that we have finds that evil seed to start growing. So the first way, what you need to first think about or understand is that every time a desire is generated, that seed is about to start growing. Hello? How does those desires come to be? That is what the devil does. The devil does not tell anybody to fornicate. Right? What he does is to create desires in everybody. That's why he's working full time. When you look to the left, my God, they care woman. When you look to that one, because he's creating desires everywhere. So that desire is a commonplace. Knowledge. I don't, now they're even arguing about school curriculum that you start teaching children at the age of five. Hello? At the age of five. Messing up their innocence. Why? Because a desire is being created. When that desire, the Bible says that when that desire and the evil seed that lies in you comes together, then the growth process starts happening. Before you know it, you get engrossed in it. That is why, see, the desire can come in so many various ways. All you do is, I just look at the way myself and my wife, we're holding each other in church that day. And you're like, ah, that's so nice. That's desire created. I mean that. Oh, yourself and your friends, you're talking about how bad it is to have boyfriend and to to have girlfriend. And guess what? In that discussion, they were telling you all the godly things that they did. They thought they were doing it in righteousness. Isn't it? But in actual fact, that desire is just being initiated. Boom. Do you know that the day you become aware of something, it becomes a challenge. You agree, isn't it? That's what happens. If it is this message, I would tell the minister to pray, to pray about it. Because now we're talking, somebody that's not thinking about sexual activity before, guess what he desire, what, what they would thought, they would just find it, boom. But listen, church, at this point is the easiest point to either kill it or feed it. And it's like that with every sin. Nobody just steals. Nobody just steals. Because initially, you did, suddenly you just realize that, ah, you didn't have the money to buy it. And it's free there. Then that evil desire is just fed. Greed. Before you know, ah, should I take it? Should I not? Should I take it? Nobody's looking. Should I take it? Should I not? It's the same thing. The minute it is like that, the desire is being fed. Now, Job says something. He conditioned himself that he will not look at a woman lustfully. So does that mean that he did not see a woman that he likes? He did. 
But what he said in other way is that he will not allow the looking of that woman to charm him. Because ordinary desire of something does not lead to sin. Right? What leads to you actually committing the sexual activity is that you look, you become desirous, and at a time, you start fantasizing or thinking, thinking, oh, I don't want to think. Then you think, I don't want to think. As you run to this, it's like, Dutch, oh, I don't want to think. I don't want to. And before you know it, you become enticed. You have a strong feeling for that sin. It's like life was going to end if it doesn't happen. Are you with me? You have entered it. It's at that point that Jesus Christ said that when you are going to that point of lust, you have already committed it. So, with that, sorry, somebody getting blessed this morning. With that at the back of your mind, then you realize that, oh, it is not, thank God for David, uh, for Joseph, because that's the one that most of us hold on to, that, oh, when Potiphar um, decided to chase after Joseph, Joseph ran away, so you run away. Uh-uh. That is because Joseph was not interested. That is because Joseph did not have the desire before. It was not nurtured, right? If Potiphar did not go after Joseph, one day while Joseph was serving, boom, they, they, this thing fell off. Oh, sorry, I didn't see that. Right? Uh-huh. Then he starts planning it. Come on, Joseph will not be running away. Joseph will be the one chasing. Are you with me in church? So don't use that as your benchmark. Because the earliest point to flee sexual activities or sexual immorality is at the desire stage. Because when it is fully, when, when the, your evil nature, that scripture says, is fully enticed. Let us read again, James 1. It says, verse 14, but each person is tempted when you are dragged away by your own, by your own, is that okay? By your own evil desire and enticed. Verse 15, since then, after desire has conceived, conception is always in the mind. It's always in the mind. Oh, you're, uh, I'm not going oh, to do anything. But when you were going to that guy's house, you were conscious of what you were wearing. Have you not realized that? Oh, he no, no, said no. Said, nobody, some people did not talk. <laughs> but that's the reality of it. When you were going there, you were conscious of what you were wearing, just in case. Huh? In fact, when you were talking, you were wondering who was going to be at home. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that when we encourage people that are dating not to be alone by themselves, people rebel? <laughs> what do you want to do in secret that people cannot be there? You see the evil nature. You say, oh, you just want your privacy to do what? <laughs> That's the evil desire being found. It's the evil desire being found. 
And you know, there are so many, hey, fornication is not only the sexual sin that we are talking about. Now, let me tell you how the progression works so that you understand how good and how, how best or where it is best to handle this matter. So, the first time we claim is mistake, right? I said, right? And you go to God and you ask God for forgiveness. But what did I say about sexual sins? It creates the desire for more. Are you with me? Then it starts creating desire for more. Regardless of what the sexual sin is. Let us even use any one of them. It creates more. It creates more. It creates more. Now, I divided it into two types of sexual sin. The self-induced one and the demonic-induced one. No, because they are demonic-induced sexual activities or sexual pressures, right? There are sexual pressures that you are the one that brought you upon yourself by the things you watch, the things you hear, the things you... So it starts from there. That's why you used to fan it. Are you with me? That's why you start fantasizing on things. See, when you don't deal with it early, guess what happens? Romans chapter 1 kicks in. Listen, church. Romans chapter 1 kicks in because the first few times, grace is there. After that, God will just hold his hand and start looking at you. Go and read Romans chapter 1. The Bible says, and they started lusting and doing things that, are, that should not be mentioned amongst men. Right? God will just hold his hand and be watching and allow you, allow the depravity of your mind to kick in. Then, people start imagining things that are not normal. Things that should not be mentioned amongst people. Men lusting after men. People thinking about the other, the backside good or not good. You know, those kind of things. The devil starts playing all those things in your mind. It is a step. You have created the stage for the demonic imposed ones. That is why, while a Christian cannot be oppressed or cannot be possessed, they can be oppressed. So you open the gateway to the enemy and you're wondering why, why you're sleeping at night. Somebody else is doing something with you. Because you opened it. So there's a progression. The devil is not interested in you just falling into one sin. The devil is out in John 10, 10 to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's where it's going. But it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey that starts from this end of little enticement to become a pattern, to become a habit, so that you can feel unworthy before God. And then other things can happen. I pray that will not be a portion. I said I pray that will not be a portion. In the name of Jesus. I said, while all sexual pressures have an undertone of satanic manipulation, we can still categorize them into these two things. Self or demonic. Jesus Christ, Mark chapter 7, verse 22 to verse 23, says, what comes out of a person does not defile that person, but from within, out of the heart of man, comes every evil thought, sexual immorality. So they come from within you. Right? I want to, so the question is, what can I do if you find yourself in this position? 
right? How can I depreciarize? And the picture that I have, enough now. <laughs> the picture that I have is this. Imagine when you have a balloon, right? You're feeling that the balloon is being filled up. How can you depressurize that balloon? The first thing is that stop the source of that pressure. Are you with me? Honestly, as Christians, there are discussions you should not get involved in. Once upon a time, I'm going to use this. Oh, God, no. You know, <laughs> I was going to talk about, sorry, I didn't see that the Apple where we're still in 52. But the thing there is that when a discussion is taking place rampant between peers or in your relationship, you're talking about all these things, you're just building pressure unnecessarily for yourself. Just building pressure unnecessarily for yourself. It is the genesis of anything. Whether it's homosexuality, whether it's pornography, it is, a, it is the genesis of everything. Stop the source of the pressure. Tap your neighbor. Stop the source of the pressure. You know, to most of us seated in this place, if you're seated, the source of your pressure is the texting. Right? Because you like flirting. Oh, nothing's going to happen. You're deceiving yourself. Nothing might happen with him, but you created pressure for yourself to happen somewhere else. Are you with me, church? You are creating the pressure. Very soon, your evil thoughts will become a desire. That desire, when it's fully conceived and enticed and charmed, right? The word enticed is to have a compelling force. Then it happens. So you stop the source of that pressure. Save yourself by doing that. It's the easiest thing to do. If you cannot stop the source of that pressure, you have entered it. After that, what you need to do is, please, please, whichever way, why not go to God and say, God, forgive me? Because sexuality, you know, there is a, something, there is a demon called incubus and succubus. You know about them, isn't it? Oh. You know, when people say that, oh, they had sex, in the beginning of life, they call it to us red dreams, boys, right? But in actual fact, it's actually the visit of demons. Are you with me? And you know that it's also biblical. When God, so that you understand how much God is like this, this matter. When God destroyed the world in the times of Jonah, Bible says that when God saw that the son of man and the son of God was getting together, right? What was referred to as the example of God in that place were demonic fallen angels, right? God destroyed the world, right? So incubus and succubus is male and female of, of that, right? And they hold on to people's destinies forever. It's not a matter of, it's not... We'll talk about that. If you want to hear about that, come on Wednesday when I'm teaching. I will talk about it more at the Wednesday meeting. It's not for here. But the thing there is, you, if you cannot get rid of all this matter at the early stage, then who can? So the best thing that you do 
is to come to God. Because at such point, if God has departed, be honest with yourself. Come to God and ask him for forgiveness. Repent and let God come back to come and help you. Do I get an amen? amen. So, that is the first two. That, that is the easy part of it. The other part, Jesus Christ was not around one day. And his disciples tried to cast out some demons. You remember the story? And after they've tried, the people wanted to lynch them. Jesus Christ now came back from the mountain. And next day, they now, ah, Jesus now got to the house. My friend, get out. And the guy went out. And they came to Jesus Christ and said, ah, how come we're now able to cast that demon out? Jesus Christ gave a response. And this response is also particular to sexual sins. Are you with me? This kind comes forth by nothing except by prayers and fasting. Right? There are sexual habits that you can never, ever, 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 ever break except by fasting and prayers. It's not a matter of, oh, I decide. Because when you decide against one, you know, <laughs> the mistake that <laughs> when Christians have multiple partners, you know what happens? Why they have multiple partners? Because they always think that, oh, it's because of that person. So they break up with that person only to realize that they've not gotten rid of the pressure source and they get on with another person. And before it, another person. And before it, another person. And we think that they are promiscuous. Are you with me, church? Fasting and prayers. And the last one. Or by that one seventeen. Says upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. At times, there are people who are under the captivity of the devil. Their prayers need to be laid on their behalf. Are you speaking church? You know, there are so many things that is actually out of our control. Because in the time of unbelief, in the time when we're not Christians, we've allowed the devil to sow his seed into our lives. Do you know that there are people, there are Christians that are married. They are married. But the presence of these two idiotic spirits are in their home with them. Or you don't know that. You know, and they call them different names in different tribes. You hear people talk about spirit husband and spirit wives. It is because at times they've entered into that person before they even got, far before they got married. Some people will not have children. Some people, different manifestations. Different manifestations. Hence, at times, the best way to get rid of such is through prayers fasting, and possibly deliverance. Because the devil knows that if he can take advantage of you, you know, back in the youth, what I always tell people when it comes to sex, once you pop, you can't stop. I'm telling you the truth. In any way, if your boyfriend cheats on you once, he will cheat on you when you're married. Once you pop, you can't stop. That's sex. Any sexual activity, Masturbate one. If God does not help you, you'll continue for the rest of your life. 
any form of sexual activity is saying here. I pray that God is going to help us this morning. What I want us to do, church, is so that it doesn't look as if somebody, oh, ah, he's the one that's got that problem. Ah, he's the one that's got that problem. All of us have problem. So we have to assume that everybody's got a problem. Is that okay? Is that, so you're going to rise up on your feet. And everybody, listen, even if you think that you are standing, still pray. Mm-hmm. So all of us, we're going to first ask God. I said, God, just forgive us. Forgive me. You pray for yourself now. Forgive me. In any way that I've been, been involved, in every way that my system has been defiled, listen, it is not only fornication or adultery. There are so many variants of it. I was talking to one of my daughters. I said, do you know that? Why do you, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Thank God that the person is not here today. Listen to this. I said, why do you like reading Mabel's albums? It's because of the graphic nature that it describes sex in it. It's pornography. When was our movie? Something a shade of gray. Fifty shades of gray. Right? I always went to see it in the cinema. Oh, you didn't even go to cinema, but you looked at it on your computer and said that nobody was looking. <laughs> oh, you read in fact, so I even invested in buy the books. Oh, I just want to know what is there. So like in case somebody is talking to me about it, deceive yourself. It's pornography. Just like it's not in picture forms, it's in written form, it's in prose form. So whether you like it or not, the system is out there to defile us. Hence why all of us are praying that God just have mercy on us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Go ahead and talk to God this morning. Forgive us. Forgive us, oh God. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, oh God. Forgive us. Forgive us. <laughs> every manifestation, every manipulation of, um, of our hearts, of our soul, oh God, to be contrary to your desire with regards to sexual activities. Lord, please have mercy on us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. In Jesus' mighty name, pray it. Let me tell you something. For every Christian, a day will come when the prince of this world will come to you. Listen, for every Christian, because it happened to Jesus Christ. Right? They brought him to judgment. The Bible says that when the prince of this world came to Jesus Christ, he found nothing in him. Are you with me? You and I, we are weak people. But the truth is that when the devil comes to look for his property amongst us, let him meet the blood of Jesus. That's why we pray for forgiveness. Does that make sense? That Lord, every time from this point on, when the devil will come calling regarding this matter, let your blood speak for me. Go ahead and talk to Jesus. Go ahead and talk. Go ahead and cry out this morning. That Lord, let your blood speak for me. Let it speak for my home. Let it speak for this church in the name of Jesus. Let your blood speak. Lord, if there are ways, oh God, that we've done contrary in time past. Lord, we are praying in Jesus' mighty name. Let your blood speak in the name of Jesus. Let your blood speak in the name of Jesus. Let your blood speak in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, mighty name, we pray. Isaiah 49, 24 to 26. Isaiah 49, 24 to 26. It says, shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive be delivered? But thus said the Lord, even the captive of the mighty shall be taken away, 
and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contends with you, and I will save my children. I also pray this morning that, Father, in every way from this point on, that the devil wants to take advantage of me, Lord, contend on my behalf. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and talk to God this morning. Thank you, Almighty Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray it. Father, we exalt you. We thank you, Lord, because your word always comes with grace. We know, Lord, there's two parts to today's responsibility. There's a part we need to take off. Removing the source of the pressure. Please, help us to do this. But, Lord, we're also praying that we'll find mercy in you that your blood will continue to speak for us. Where we cannot help ourselves, oh God, please help us in the name of Jesus. Deliver us from the hands of the fowler, even continuously. If there's anyone in this place, oh God, that is struggling with any sinful or sexual habit, oh God, we ask in the name of Jesus that such habit be broken today. In the name of Jesus, may they never experience such again. Because your word says that even the lawful captive shall be delivered. Lord, we institute this, your word, over such a person. And Lord, we return all glory and all praise unto you. Thank you, mighty Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.